You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Retro Detroit Nerd Fighters Podcast. My name is Ian the Well Informed, and I'm here with Phil the Phil Badger. I traded in my Nintendo Switch for a Namika Smitch. Beat that. I, yeah, my girlfriend wanted to play that, and I had to tell her no. (laughs) No. It's only for me. No. No. You should just get her her own then. No. <laughs> and before we uh, go further with this story, who are you again? Uh, my name is Mike. Your name is Mike. <laughs> nice I'm, to see you. I'm yes. your brother. <laughs> I mean, Surprised everyone. you didn't know his name. <laughs> I know his name is Mike. <laughs> I mean, there's. I mean, I mean, I, got, I mean, so. you did, you did, you did have to check check on that uh, before we started. So yeah, I saw you in the phone book earlier, looking up, for, looking for my name. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know what that's referring to. <laughs> But no. Who has a phone book anymore? <laughs> I guess me, but <laughs> somewhere in the confines of, um, uh, I don't know. We're listening to um, Billy Seeger. Turn the page, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. That would be Bob Seeger. <laughs> That's Bob Seeger, yes. <laughs> His long lost brother, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not so, quite as successful either. Yeah. No. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out on that. <laughs> but no. Um, why are we um, talking about the Namika Smitch? Because uh, Smitches get stitches, apparently. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Oh. And they obviously need a massage <laughs> with that joke. <laughs> No, but uh, this is a uh, knockoff uh, console that uh, is made to resemble the Nintendo Switch that started, I think it started popping up in South America, mm. um, available to buy for 50 bucks, and um, it's a piece of junk. It, yes, it looks, it plays, oh, you should see it, it um, is a, it plays 3D versions of of pac-man with and the rendering and the design of it look the maze itself looks like lego blocks (laughs) i didn't know soldier boy lived in south america he's he's on the run apparently (laughs) Uh, no it's that looks horrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah seeing that um, it has four D pads. <laughs> um, I have to four D pads are better than one. <laughs> I have to ask you, Randy. Do you have a Nintendo Switch? I haven't had a console in years. All right. So three of the four of us have switches, but no smitches and no stitches. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Uh, but no, the 
it, you're wanting to comment on the box art, right? <laughs> um, yes, it is. Yeah, the, the box art is very, uh, very reminiscent of, of the Switch. It's, it, as knockoffs go, somebody put some thought into this. Yeah, it, look. Well, <laughs> Just turn that W upside down. <laughs> Yeah, instead of uh, Waluigi, it's uh, Mario. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's going to come with all sorts of great games like Marty, Marty and Lewis, (laughs) (laughs) Super Carpenter Brothers, Super Carpenter Brothers. (laughs) There's so many jokes. Donkey King, Donkey King. The the Legend of Zeta, Chrono Lever, <laughs> um, Mother Four. Oh, don't it, tease us! Don't. But I want to. <laughs> Beautiful Sam. Beautiful Sam. Uh, but no, it just it looks. And when I look at the box art, it looks too much like uh, celestial actual... string, huh? Celestial string, yes. Uh... One of the knockoff games on the on the Smitch. <laughs> we'll come back to that one later. Second, uh. second to last fantasy, <laughs> <laughs> first uh. fantasy. <laughs> um, mm. Orient the blank copyright infringement. <laughs> we can do this all day, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but hey, we should um, wrap this up and um, uh, chain this along as well. Correct? Mm, yes. Um, yeah. Instead of uh, Celestial String, though, I am I am happy to report that uh, Astral, Train, Astral Chain sold above expectations and that that tickles my heart to no end. Um, as a big as a big fan of this game, who have I have yet to finish it though. Um, Astral Train is a game that is a spinoff of Final Fantasy VI, though. <laughs> correct. Um, I d- it might have been. Oh no, that was Doom Train. That's Doom Train. Mm-hmm. Oh, or Cuphead. <laughs> I'm. Who knows? Who knows? No. In the world of knockoffs, who who knows what's real anymore? Yeah, yeah. Losing my train of thought. Uh, but like, <laughs> uh, what makes Astral Chain so good, though? For the people who haven't listened, um, well, it's got a it's got a great story. It's got incredible action. If you're into that kind of thing, and it it's. And and the best thing is it's an original it's an original IP which a lot of companies don't do anymore. If it's not tied to a previous video game, you know, comic book, you know, TV show, movie, what have you, I have a very hard time getting getting original stuff made. And that Astral Chain was so successful for and you know just objectively and and for an object for a new for a new IP. Um, makes me excited for the future that perhaps, you know, we can get more, more original stuff. Um, and then if, you know, and I think it just also, sh- um, shows, uh, goes to show you that when, uh, 
you know, if you make quality something that's quality, people will will come. Yeah, and I mean, I've always been a big fan of uh, uh, platinum games with Beautiful Joe. I mean, for those who don't know, uh, the creators of Beautiful Joe were Clover Studios. But the same people came, um, came yeah, they over were from Clo- there. They were Clover Studios. They were part of Capcom, and then Capcom disbanded that studio. But the folks who were who were Clover Studios, they struck out on their own and formed Platinum Games. Yeah, so I've always loved uh, uh, Clover Studios and Platinum Games for a lot of. Uh, for a lot of the games that they've made, um, I've really wanted to uh, get into playing uh, uh, what um, Transformers Devastation because mm-hmm. that looks really good. But and want to get into Astral Chain soon enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but. But you know those are those are games that work well and run well and people like. Um, should we talk about WWE Two K Twenty? No, <laughs> kind of as a, as a contrast. I mean, what is there to um, what is there to say? Um, um, uh, well, I mean, apparently, if you wanted to pl- actually play it in Two K Twenty, you couldn't. What? Yes. I there there was a bug that crashed the game hard if you tried to launch it after January first. Oh, so basically, we're going to blame this. Uh, what's that called? We're going to blame this uh, bug on the tick because, um, and that's kind of a double joke. There. <laughs> sounds good to me. Um. I just call. I just thought of it as the return of the Y two K bug. It was lying in wait all these years. It had to. Yeah, it had to wait for twenty eight. It had. I'm sorry. I for real though. Keep skipping my words. Back in Y two K, people just pushed things off for twenty years. Mm-hmm. So now a lot of things are checking for. Is it nineteen twenty? Uh, <laughs> Oops. Oh, I got you. <laughs> 19, 20, 21, yes. Mm-hmm. Ah. Very Ray Mysterious. Ray. <laughs> uh, I get that. No, it's more, um, it's more of the man who actually looks like a lady whose hair s- doesn't render. <laughs> I've got to forward you a video. It's scary. <laughs> It's like if I made a character of you, brother, and it just went off into the distance, same you, to the your green hair, screen. Your hair had a mind of its own. <laughs> your, yeah. Yeah. It should be called NBA, uh, WWE 2K20 Hair Racer. But, <laughs> but, but no. Uh, well, then, well, that's just how you turn a bug into a feature. but we we kind of like to diss wwe for their uh business practices and this is kind of the game they deserve they 
mm-hmm. bug-ridden, tick-infested uh, meth. Uh, meth. There's, there's, uh, there's words I could use if we wanted to have the explicit tag on this episode, but I'm not going to go there. This, um, and just to be clear, this uh, podcast is not sponsored by TikTok. <laughs> so, <laughs> but. Uh, so no Chinese spies on our on this podcast. No. <laughs> it may be a good idea to do that in the future. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. We could get sponsored by Two Talk if you're okay with Emirates spies. I'd rather get um <laughs> I'd rather get sponsored by Push to Talk, but or Text to Speech. But, but that's not uh, but, <coughs> but no, um speaking of um bugs and glitches and games and things like that, have you um heard of a convention called AGDQ? Um Average Games Done Quick or something like that? It's I think it is awesome games done quick. That, that would make more sense. <laughs> who wants to play an average game fast when you can just play an awesome game fast? <laughs> yeah, or a glitch-running game fast. <laughs> I'd personally like to see... I am going to look up um, probably next week when all the videos are out to see if... They did a um, a glitch. Um, we're actually able to play uh, NBA oh, WWE 2K20. See if somebody was actually able to play it with all the glitches. <laughs> <laughs> that could be fun to watch. But but they play stuff like uh, uh, say Star Wars: Fallen Order and beat it in. 30 minutes or Orchid of Time and oh. play it in How is it hours? even possible to beat that game in 30 minutes? Like, there's so many cutscenes and stuff. They figured out how... <laughs> it's a, I think it's a lot to do with glitches and skipping large portions of the game. So you're not actually beating the game. You're just getting to the end of the game. Yeah, like... So it's just like a speedrunning convention, yeah. pretty much? Yeah. Okay. Basically, um... Like, there are certain tricks to games where you can uh, basically skip cutscenes, but you have to. <laughs> there's things like pixel perfect inputs that break the game, or things like that. Like, one of my favorites that I'm able to do every once in a while is go through um, Legend of Zelda a Link to the Past, and then. Uh, beat that game in seven minutes <laughs> there's a glitch to go through yeah and i'll say it on here there's a way to clip through one of the first walls in the game that mm-hmm. takes you straight to the triforce <laughs> well done <laughs> so now does this um the the kind of speed runs though that i usually check out are the ones that are that look to me like they're played with a high, extremely high level of skill and they're able to not only beat Super Mario Brothers, um, in like 10 minutes, but they go through every level. 
or they you know only or they they choose their warp zones but there there's no glitches that they're using to kind of skip ahead um i think i saw i saw i think i saw one where they played castlevania um the original in like 12 minutes from beginning to end Mm. that that was kind of mesmerizing for me as a big castlevania fan back in the day yeah and i've seen stuff like castlevania symphony of the night get beaten in less than 30 minutes (laughs) and that's a game that normally gets beaten within 15 to 20 hours time (laughs) Mm. there's a couple bosses that you're not meant to defeat that you're meant to take five ten minutes on (laughs) they're that hard (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they're beaten in 10 seconds flat <laughs> so now is that now is that a is that assisted by a glitch that starts the character off really strong or i'm not entirely sure <laughs> but um I, I think they find a glitch where they get all the um ultimate armor and uh equipment that would do it yeah mm-hmm. right at the beginning but no, like what I why I wanted to bring up AGDQ not for its gameplay. It, the people are incredible at uh, playing the games, but uh, uh, they're always try, um, they're always trying to raise funds for these super big companies already like for cancer research like American Cancer Society and on Twitch they get um, uh, average concurrent users are around 110,000 people streaming why not um, with a convention this big um help some of these local uh these local nonprofits instead of just raising it for just one you get so many uh you garner in so much money and there are places that uh that are small that need that money and i uh from uh, working with nonprofits, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it can be used better. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. I think, uh, that I don't think that what they're doing is necessarily wrong. You know what I mean? Like, they're giving money to a good cause. Um, but I, I get what you're saying that, like, uh, it, it could be used for, for different things or it could be split up, right? You could, you could maybe create a grant or something like that or, or, um, or, or give it to like a, a organization that, um, I don't know if there are like many organizations that like, uh, split their money to different ways and stuff like that or if it's mostly like <laughs> personal, personal organizations like that. But, um, I do think, I would say I don't think that they're wrong for giving it to the American Cancer Foundation they're, or anything. They're, I, I'm not saying that you're saying wrong. that. They're not wrong. I'm not saying that you're saying that. But 
I, I don't know if there would be a, a good way of finding some sort of organization that would, that would, uh, distribute it in, to, I don't, I don't know, like in webs almost. I mean, it almost seems like, I think that's, isn't that what the United Way does? They farm money guess, out yeah. to, uh, various, uh, local charities. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sometimes, I mean, they, um, United Way is known for giving disaster relief money. Like when, um, I don't know, a few years ago, they did that for, uh, when I want to say Texas flooded. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But you know, at yeah. the at the end of the day, um people will choose to support causes that they personally are passionate about and you know, and if for some folks that's the American Cancer Society, then that's who they'll support. Yep. And some are more passionate about, you know, local pro local projects that they can see the impact in their in their own community. Um and, and I see a lot of things like on the YouTubes or in the Twitches that, and ATDQ is just one example. <laughs> and there was another charity fundraiser for St. Jude that brought in uh, content creators like Matt Pat from Game Theory and Markiplier to help um, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. But then there's fundraisers uh that um that do like what I like to do which is uh project for awesome and we've promoted them every year on this show so yeah. I think what it comes really down to in the end is like I do think there needs to be more awareness for the smaller nonprofits because I mean everybody's trying trying to do good right that's the whole point of it is that we're trying to do good for people that are either disenfranchised or need help or whatever it might be. So, um, I think the more awareness that's out there for all these things, the better. Um, and why not like then if you're going to give that money to the American Cancer Foundation or, uh, you know, uh, brain tumor stuff or whatever it is, <laughs> excuse me, why not? Um, if you're not going to give the money to a se separate charity, why not raise awareness during the event for those charities so that people can uh, potentially give on their own time? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish they'd adopt – I wish they would adopt a model like Project for Awesome. That's my two cents on it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh uh, no. Um, <clears throat> so I'll ask um, the three. Um, I know that Randy doesn't have a council, so I'll ask the three of us. Uh, what games have you been playing? Um, Death Stranding now. It's weird. Very weird. What I expected from Hideo Kojima. And he has delivered on the weird and the awesome at the same time. So you're a platformist now? Just because I don't have a console doesn't mean I can't play games? <laughs> you don't have a Switch. I don't. <laughs> That's I don't, what I'm giving I don't have any of. consoles, but that doesn't mean I don't game. Oh. I was up until 5 a.m. playing MTG Arena. All right. 
Hi, my name is Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kylo. Nice oh. to meet you. <laughs> hey. So we had, so has everyone seen um this may be a second check, uh seen Rise of the Skywalker. Yes. Yeah. Have well, you seen it Ian? I have watched it with my brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. Yep. Yes, you have. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a tad disappointed. I have to be a fanboy. I wanted to see Kyle Ren do his infamous um, slashing all over the place <laughs> in this movie. I am disappointed. <laughs> well, I've just decided, I've just kind of come to the conclusion it's my role in life to be a contrarian on all things Star Wars and to say I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. Um, I, I I didn't like I it as much. Now that the Kylo Ren shrug is trending on Twitter, this is the 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 part that um he was in like just regular clothes and trying to save Ren or uh or, no, Ray Ray. That hopefully her name's not Ren. Ren, Ren <laughs> uh, I mean, I I won't. I didn't like Rise of Skywalker as much as say the Last Jedi, but um, I did like it. Yeah, it is a it is a befitting end, like Episode Six, but not Episode Six. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it was okay. Apparently, there's a much longer version that is maybe going to be released. That's um, that's the rumor. It'll be released right after the Snyder Cut of Justice League, right? Um, I think this one's uh, got a little bit more behind it. It's supposed to be the director's cut, yeah, for JJ Abrams. Yeah, sorry. I, I. I heard that his initial version that he submitted was like three hours and two minutes long. Mm. And then they cut it to like somewhere under two hours. And then the version that got released after that was shorter than he wanted by like 15 to 17 minutes. Mm. It did. It did feel it did. The pacing of the story did feel rushed. I will acknowledge yeah. that. Um. Didn't really have time to absorb what was happening, but the bits of it, I, you know, I could follow the story from beginning to end and, you know, why, knew why they were going, where they were going and, you know, what they were supposed to do there. I'm surprised to see, uh, Lando Calrissian (laughs) too. That, I was like, where is this going to go? I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I liked it. I liked it for... I always liked the lightsaber battles. And, uh, I mean, it's no it's no Avengers Endgame, but, you know, it was good for what it was. You know, it. it I don't think it was great. It was fine. I always. It's a good time. But like my, I would say like my favorite lightsaber duels of the whole entire series came from one and three. <laughs> Those, I we don't talk about one, but that's basically. Uh, we do talk about one when it. I would say the movies themselves. <laughs> Are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that uh, if you look at 
episode four with uh, the lightsaber battles compared episode four to episodes one through three. <laughs> I mean, combat training got better. <laughs> oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would say. I mean, the Darth Maul fight scene was a cool fight scene. Yeah. But uh, I'll take the acting and the storyline of four through six any day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, there was good fighting this movie. Sure. Yeah. Good fighting in uh, there seven. Were, there were good fight scenes, you know, the, in the series beginning to end. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, some of the, sometimes the movies that surrounded them were terrible. Uh, um, some were, sometimes they were okay and sometimes they were great. Yeah. But Ben Kenobi looking like he's practicing fencing was not the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, when you look at fourth or sixth, um, what I gather from it is people usually say, and I'll agree with it, is the weight of those battles <laughs> is what uh, drove people to watch them. <laughs> the gravity that um, – uh, Darth Vader, Obi Wan, and Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's um talk less about uh, uh Rise of the Skywalker and more about um what you do. Um tell us um what do you uh what do you work? What do I work? Yeah. You were talking about that you uh, service kids. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm a well, – I have sort of a different title now, but I, I still work in the same capacity um, in that I, I I work in a center for children with autism, um, but, which is, but it's specifically for uh, applied behavior analysis, uh, which is uh, – if you don't know, it's uh, evidence-based uh, intervention for children with autism and uh, m- mostly focuses on behavior management and – or behavior reduction rather and um, and life skills. Uh, but we also have other services where I work uh, like occupational therapy and speech uh, and language pathology and stuff like that. So um, I'm now considered an academic instructor. So I still work with the children who have autism, but um, I, I sp- specifically focus on academics with those with those kids. Hey, like, um, tell us, like, um, when you speak about academics, like, wh- what age range basically are you working um, with? So, in the center, in general, um, we we have kids that go all the way down to like two or three years old. Up to, uh, I think the oldest child is about to turn 17. Um, but f- specifically for my clients, I, I mostly work in the range. I have one three year old kid that I see once a, or twice a week, but then, uh, I mostly have between seven and 12 year olds. All right. Yeah. So you get, so you, so you don't get any. So have you worked yet with like, Ones that are like 15, 16 going to high school. Um, uh, at the place I used to work at, um, especially I worked with a client for two years that went from 13 to 15 that I was working with them. And then 
um, uh, there, I've worked with a child at, uh, this place now that was 13 when I started working with him. Um, but I also used to work in a school and in that school, I, I moved up all the way from fourth grade with a child up to ninth grade. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it sort of varies. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I mean, like, I can't say that I see you, uh, but I know that within, um, APA therapy that I do have a bias. I feel that you do a good job. <laughs> well, but, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but reason. I can't um, put it on my resume because you're my brother, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But one of the, and I like to tell a story from the, from these type of questions. Like, uh, as you know, I, do have a uh, high functioning autism and um, when I was young, I know that I was more low functioning. I didn't talk that much. Um, my question uh, is that it took me a lot of time to open up to people. It took till I would say sixth grade when I found a really good, oh no, it took until like fourth grade to really get me to start talking. And, um, and from that point, do you feel like, um, getting people to talk is the number one in your, uh, in, um, and learning, uh, doing ABA therapy? Okay. That's a good question. Um, so I think it entirely depends on the child. Um, I do feel like that's obviously a very important thing. Um, if you're going to be able to function at a higher level in society, speaking would obviously help. Um, but I will say that there, as you know, it's a spectrum disorder. So all kids are different on that spectrum. Um, so I feel like a lot of kids, when they're nonverbal, that's, that would probably be their most important thing. But I do think that there are kids that are already verbal and some of them have rough behaviors or they have, um, a lot of problems with their fine motor skills. So they're not able to write or things like that. And sometimes those things are more important in that moment than um, focusing on talking because if you're not able to sit at a table or, uh, you're not able to go down the hallway without hitting someone or something like that, sometimes there's, there's more important things in that moment that you have to, uh, reel back or help to reinforce positive behaviors before you can do other things. But of course you can work on multiple things at the same time. Right. I will say that as a skill, talking is probably one of the most important. It is. I would say it is pretty important, but I don't think that that is. I like to say from a person on the outside looking in that that's not the main. One of the biggest uh one of the bigger issues is understanding that 
even though they can't, they, they may not be able to speak or can't speak. It doesn't mean that these kids are not really, really smart. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I've yet to see a kid with autism have an IQ of less than a hundred. <laughs> so there can be very, hey, um, I think some of it is more about fine tuning their good skills to, um, better, uh, bring out the positive <laughs> sure. out of them. I yeah. think, hey, but you don't, kind of learn that from a book you've got to kind of you you gotta keep your ear low to the ground on that sure yeah um so i i do agree with you on that that um i feel like the so there's lots of kids where i work in in general with autism that use communication devices rather than talk so they have ipads or textbooks or whatever it might be. Pexbooks? Yes, Pexbooks. <laughs> yes, P-E-C-S. P-E-C-S. So it's, uh, it's, it's pictures textbooks. essentially. Oh. Not textbooks. Oh. Uh, it's pictures that they use for their communication. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I work with a lot of kids that use, uh, especially iPads that have like touch chat, which is the same thing essentially as Pex, but it's on the iPad so that they can go through different, uh, pages and stuff like that. Um, so, um, that doesn't mean that they're not intelligent. Yeah. They just communicate in a different way. And in fact, yeah. some of these kids, I work with a six year old child, six, who has, uh, on each page of his touch chat on his iPad has about 50 icons. So he's able to navigate through all of these icons and that go to different pages that show him different things. He's probably got about 500 icons on his iPad that he communicates with. He's getting close to he's me. He's super duper smart. He just doesn't talk. He's getting close to me. I have a hundred tabs open on my computer. He's getting close. Well, that's because <laughs> you're lazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, no, but, um, yeah, no, a, a lot of these kids are very, very, very smart. They just need to be able to communicate these things. And, and a lot of the time there's, there's social problems where they're not able to figure out how to communicate them. So you need to work on some of those things. I think there's universal things that you have to work on, like life skills. Like if a child doesn't know how to brush his teeth, you obviously need to work on things like that. But then if a child's really good at something, why not? Try and make it better and better. Exactly. Yeah. Now, um, big picture question. Um, um, aim. You used to. Um, you used to be like a a paraprofessional for somebody who has a physical disability. Yeah. I won't say who that is here. Sure. But uh, I appreciate. But um. And I used to be a uh, sub pair pro. <laughs> yeah. So when I when I worked that job, when you when you look at K through twelve, the question, the big main question 
seeing that they have this intelligent IQ is not uh, it's less of a uh, um, there's this thing called being highly effective (laughs) Um, and that's kind of often true with working ABA therapy as well I want to say that that's not it's a good method but I wouldn't say that it's the best and why I say that is because these uh, these people like people with autism or with a physical disability they deserve to go to college if the money is there because they know how to deal with people and uh, they're book smart and um they stay intuitive in that sense. Aim not to be, um, not to have bragging rights uh, for me, but sure. But like, what? Hey, not everybody's situation is is exactly the same. I just wanted to ask. It's kind of an easy or question. If you take it, what do you try to do to try and get them to? be successful, try and get them to that level. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that you have to do. Um, I would say some of the main things are making sure that um, they have a setting in which they can understand how uh, how to not just behave, but also to, to interact with others in a classroom and a social setting. So if a child is currently going to an autism center and they're not currently enrolled in school, I think that that's a disservice in a way to that child. I think that they could do both, but if they are only in one setting and they're not receiving a classroom setting with even, I mean, if the, Autism Center has a classroom setting, great. But if they don't, and you're only giving them one setting to learn things from, and only one setting to socialize in, then they're not going to be able to function in a different setting. They need to understand what it is that they're expected of and what they're, what they can achieve in those different areas. It's a, it's a geometry equation, <laughs> essentially. You're taking different methods to learn the same thing, basically. Yeah, pretty much. In, in a way, yes. So so it's great working in the center because I used to work in homes, um, in people's houses. Um, not like a, a home home. You know? <laughs> but um, – it's it's great that I'm working at the center now because we actually have classroom settings. We have uh, different groups that we're able to do with other kids where they can socialize and learn social skills. Um, it's 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 just been great, and I I look forward to learning more more and more. You know, I'm 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 still working on my bachelor's degree, so <laughs> you know I'm I'm looking forward to as I finish my bachelor's and do my master's and, and work more with children with autism to learn more and more. 
But I don't know. I I just want to I want to do my best that I possibly can for these children because I know how sometimes if they don't receive the help that they deserve, then they can be left as an adult without the 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 needs and and knowledge that they deserve to have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, helping the need, being, yep, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seeing the need. That's kind of why I do this podcast to um, help with the needs. So, uh, Phil, um, where can we find you? Um, you can find me, um, might find me at a library too, uh, working on a couple of, uh, upcoming projects, um, which I might talk more about in the future. And, uh, no, I don't think I can be any bigger. <laughs> you could not be any bigger. Uh, brother, Michael, where can we find you? Uh, you can probably find me at a local grocery store searching for rotisserie chickens. <laughs> Funny, funny how. Um, and where can we but, find you, Ian? Um, where? You where? can find me at ianform.com, informed with an A, and also the same <laughs> uh, Twitter handle, ianform, informed with an A. Um, and as always, um, you can have whatever you like <laughs> and DFTBA. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Good night.